ladies and gentlemen, and uh, welcome back to the Arsenal Canon Podcast, I should say, the Extra Canon Podcast, um, hosted this week by myself, Mac Johnson, in the absence of our dearly departed Rob Worthington. No, he's not dead. I shouldn't say dearly departed. That's stupid. Um, he's just, you know, he, he's, he has exams. He's busy. He's a busy lad. He's, you know, living it up at uh, about to go to uni. Exciting for him, but it means that you are stuck with me this week. Well, not entirely stuck with me. Um, alongside me, I have our returning guest to the pod. He's been on twice before and has made such a good impression that we're giving him his solo cameo to make me look a lot better. Um, Max Mishkan, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, all good. Um, very excited to be on um, without the middleman today. Um, but yeah, I just got back from Fiverr side. Um, I'm all crapped up, but um i'm ready i'm excited loads of stuff to to go over today how you doing mac yeah i'm doing all right hanging in there um you are right there is you know loads of stuff to do today so let's not delay too badly not get caught up in the waffle um let's start early with some via real uh of course our europa league tie um this past thursday genuinely kind of boring to watch um you know two red cards made it a little bit more exciting but Neither team played particularly well. Just give me some overall thoughts. How did you think we did? How do you think Villarreal did? Um, we were bad. Villarreal were okay. I think that's a, if we want to go more in depth, Arteta got it wrong. I think. Uh, um, I'll defend Arteta to maybe more of an extent than than necessary, but he did get it wrong. Um. You know, people were likening the original lineup to Pep um, because of the the lack of striker, the lack of a you know a proper number number nine. Um, it was actually more like Pep in, in in the fact we've seen over the years Pep completely overcomplicates knockout ties uh, and unnecessarily bamboozles his own team and the opposition. And I think Arteta did that when it really wasn't necessary. Um, and you know, it pains me to say it, and AFC Max is probably laughing right now, but we we really missed someone like Lacazette. Um, we were talking before, Mac, we, we missed that focal point, someone to hold up the ball um, to help us push higher up the pitch. We we struggled with, with this rotating false nine system, I think. Um, but yeah, I thought for the first 60 minutes, Emery got it spot on. Um, they were incredibly tough to break down. They pressed. They pressed really effectively. Not that frequently, but especially when uh, our fullbacks had the ball, they'd press really well in numbers and completely overload the ball side. Um, I say the first sixty minutes. I think it went wrong when he subbed off Alcacer for Coquelin. It's you know inspired from a Tim Stillman tweet, but. It's classic of Emery to dominate the game, bring on a more defensive player, and then, oh, would you look at that? We've invited pressure and we've conceded, and now the tie's, you know, now Arsenal back in the tie. Um, but Villarreal being good doesn't excuse the first half performance especially. Um, we've, you know, I've gone on about Arteta, but I think there's, there's one culprit who um, we all got quite, frustrated about yesterday do you want to do you want to talk about Sabios and his his performance Mac 
Yeah, um, I'd love to. I think first I will say it was a classic Unai Emery performance. Um, he sized up the you know the competition. He said, "Hey, let me design a tactical system that will fit perfectly to playing them," and it worked until he made a stupid substitution and it stopped working. Um, you know, it was the reason we fired him because his substitutions weren't good and he was not managing game well. And would you look at that? He hasn't changed. That's a little gratifying. What wasn't gratifying is. The fact that, you know, you're right, we have signed Ceballos on a second-year loan. He was incredibly impressive for us, especially towards the end of Project Restart last year, and he just isn't anymore. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not his biggest fan. I've talked on this pod almost weekly about the fact that I think his touch is too slow. I think the ball gets cut under his feet. Um, he's immobile, and he's too reliant on having the ball and circulating possession and being in the center of things when it really does slow down our play. But I really was um, at odds with, you know, his positioning yesterday was one thing that kind of caught me out. Um, and some of this definitely does come down to Arteta and his decisions and the way that he set up the team. Uh, Partey is very hit or miss as a single pivot. Um, he was both hit or miss last night. But with Ceballos kind of isolated in that weird, like, hybrid left wing back, left midfield, left center mid role, he just didn't do anything in possession. He, you know, offered us nothing in breaking Emery's occasional press. Um, he was sluggish on the ball. He, you know, didn't progress anything. Um, and then defensively, he was woeful. I mean, he was beat in about six sprints by Juan Foyth, the Tottenham Loney playing out of position at right back. That's miserable. Like, that's terrible. Oh goodness. Um, yeah, he wasn't maintaining possession where necessary. He wasn't passing it forward where necessary. It's like, you know, he is a player who is keyed up to play Spanish opposition, and he drops the biggest howler he's had in an Arsenal shirt against Spanish opposition. I don't understand it. Um, genuinely just a poor performance. And I think, you know, a little bit of cause for rejoice, though, because after that game, Arsenal decided not to extend his loan or sign him in the summer. He will return to Madrid. Thank goodness. But, you know, obviously, as we've discussed, he wasn't the only culpable person. Um there was a little bit on Arteta, um, a little bit on Ceballos, but I think our, you know, wonderful set piece coach, and I say that with some measure of sarcasm, Andreas Georgeson might also take some of the blame. What did you think about our performance off of set pieces last night? Well, I think it's interesting you bring that up. I firstly want to say I don't think Ceballos was great in that first loan spell. I think I thought Xhaka towards um you know with that FA Cup run I thought he was outstanding I thought Ceballos wasn't fantastic but I think that's a discussion for another time um Andreas Georgeson um Rob who's missing today tweeted in similar vein to you criticizing Georgeson obviously we can we conceded off a corner yesterday um and off a corner against Slavia Prague in that first leg um I don't think that's his fault. I think Party can just completely let go of his man, and I don't think there's an instruction for you to let go of your man. I think there's an instruction for you to mark your man um, from Georgeson. I think we we can't fall into recency bias too much. I remember if you listen to Sky Sports commentary, they'd go on and on about how we're one of the best teams. Um, facing uh, set pieces this season. I think we've been pretty good this season. Um, 
I haven't crunched the numbers going forward, but I don't think you can blame our set piece coach on party letting go of Albiol at the back post. I just don't think that's his fault. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you're certainly correct there. Um, there was a metric that I was talking about with a couple of uh, mates during the game. And it was, you know, when that corner got swung in, it was an interesting question of how many yellow shirts, you know, how many Villarreal players could you look at and say, all right, if the ball falls to them, whether on the bounce or off a flick on, how many of them would have a contested route to shooting the ball or would be contested for a goal? And the answer was about three. Like, I agree. Party loses his marker. It's poor. Holding doesn't contest the flick on well. It's poor. At the same time, zonal marking seems to be, it's always something that I've had kind of question marks about. You know, there are these continual situations every time we do lose on a set piece. I remember one in particular where I think we had Bellerin marking, I'm not sure if it was Yeri Mina, it was some very large center back. And we had Bellerin on one and I think Saka on another. And it was about a genuinely a foot of height difference. And the question is, well, you know, why is that happening? Well, it's because all of our big players are clogged in the center, marking zonally. And with something like that yesterday, you know, everyone kind of pushes to the center on that set piece play. And yes, party loses his marker, but there isn't a man at the back post. There's nobody covering that area of the box. Even if Albiol misses, there's still another opportunity for a Villarreal player to knock it back in because there's just nobody there. Um, I think, you know, as good as we have been on defensive set pieces, because it's true, we really don't concede many goals from them. Um, At the same time, I just think it's been a bit iffy. You know, in these situations where we are conceding, yes, some of it comes down to individual mistakes, like Callum Chambers being unable to jump, if I recall correctly, during one of them. but at the same time, it does sometimes come down to just the system and the fact that there are inherent holes. Of course, there are issues with man marking as well. But, you know, especially in the modern era where a lot of set piece plays involve almost like setting picks and dummy runs and aiming for a certain person who can be left wide open due to man marking. At the same time, I do think, you know, recency bias aside, it is something that does need to be looked at because it was genuinely shambolic and not just party losing his marker we you know it got whipped into the box and arsenal players froze they just didn't move um they didn't contest the header they didn't you know look they didn't even look in the direction of the ball once it was flicked on they kind of just stood there and watched albiel thunder it in um i don't know so some of it yes comes down to our players and their lack of drive which frankly characterizes most of the game last night anyway, you know. But at the same time, I do think there is some culpability there. Um, speaking of Partey, generally, what did you think of his performance last night? But what do you think of our current midfield setup? Because it hasn't really been working of late. Um, Partey party will have these games sometimes where, especially towards the last 10 minutes, and to be fair, he played a killer ball to Bamiyang at the end. But he goes through phases in the game sometimes where it just looks like his head's not screwed on completely. Um, and he seems to have a, a, a lack of focus, basically. Um, simple passes, he'll seem to misplace. He'll get he'll dive into tackles when usually he's very good at just jockeying and sending, sending the ball out wide into a less dangerous area. Um, but 
you know, lately his form hasn't been fantastic. I think we all got incredibly excited and rightly so for the first, what, 10 games he played. And he hasn't been incredible um, these last few weeks. And it doesn't help when you've got someone like Ceballos next to him, who's, you know, not really compensating for any flaws party might be displaying in that game. Um, So, but look, we shouldn't get too excited when he has a game like he did against United away, where he was pretty much perfect. And we shouldn't get too distraught when he has a game like today where he wasn't up to his best. But look, we know he, he is the man to basically hold this whole team together. He is, if you look at our passing networks, he is literally like on his own in the middle, basically running the show in midfield. Like, as you said, with Ceballos in that hybrid left wing back central midfield role, um, we need to get him a new partner. We've gone over this. You did a fantastic piece um, that was very FB ref heavy, um, identifying lots of different uh, potential candidates to part of Partney. Um, I think you, I know you're a big fan of Locatelli uh, from Sassuolo, of Lehmer from Leipzig. So I think it's very clear that's a definite priority in the summer. Um, I don't mind having Xhaka and Elneny staying as rotation options. I think Elneny's fine, you know, for cup games. I think Xhaka is a Premier League standard player, but he needs improving. Um, but I think this segues nicely into our next game, Newcastle. And we have a loney out right now, Joe Willock, who's looking really good. Um, what do you think about Willock's performances? Do you think, what do you think his role can be next season if he does have a role at Arsenal? I honestly, I'm not sure. Um, and I say this just because I've always loved watching Joe Willock play, but I've never quite been sure about the perfect role that he fits. Um, I remember under Emery, he was sometimes played as a 10, sometimes played as a winger, sometimes played as a six and sometimes played as an eight. Um, and he would kind of have some of those performances. He was amazing in all regards. And some of those performances, he would be very flighty regardless of it, if it was in his preferred position, which I think is number eight or, you know, somewhere else in the pitch. Um, I think genuinely he's a very talented player you know, there were there have been comments from Steve Bruce lately in the media about, um, you know, I don't want to call him a super sub. I don't want to call him this. He's a fantastic player. He's talented and he's been having an impact off the bench. But I think that's, to be honest, that's where I see him at Arsenal right now, just in terms of the core of players we have. I can't see him successfully partnering Partey at the base of him in the field. And I can't see him kicking out Smith Rowe or, fingers crossed, Martin Odegaard as kind of that number 10 role. But in terms of someone who is bright, who is lively, who has excellent technique and, you know, really does provide that injection of pace off the bench. Um, I remember when in kind of Emery's late days, but also when Arteta came in, he would often use him as a sub at like right wing, you know, coming on in the 70th minute just to provide legs and pressing intensity and really get the offense going again. And, you know with the additional caveat that, okay, yes, he will drift inside and he will kind of allow that overlapping run and play more as an inverted number 10. But at the same time, like, you know, kind of giving him that freedom and just letting him run. Um, and that's something Steve Bruce has also just done very well um, to say, you know, we will park you in front of 
whether it's Isaac Hayden or one of the Longstaff brothers, and basically let you kind of be more of a free roving number eight, someone who has the ability to make those Aaron Ramsey-esque late runs. I mean, his goal-scoring form in Europa League has always been impressive. Um, And while he hasn't really figured out how to hit it away from the center of the goal, he hits it with power, he hits it with precision, and more often than not, it's very, very challenging to save, as we've seen. And, you know, he scored three in his last three, two of which have rescued points. Um, You know, it's heroic stuff from him. Uh, Genuinely fantastic, I think. If you're if we're discussing rotation options, um, if we have Partey, another you know top level central midfielder, a pivot, someone who is good defensively and going forwards, great in transition, but most importantly, kind of quick with the ball, um, and then you know Smith Rowe and whether it's Odegaard or someone else, another primarily creative number ten, right, with you know Xhaka and Willock and say El Neni as the backups, which would definitely free up capital with Torreira and Guendouzi potentially being able to be sold, whether to Hertha and Atleti or whoever else. Um I just think it's you know, it there are, he he has promise and he has a place at the club. Um but right now in this Arteta system, unless we really do choose to go with something along the lines of a four three three permanently with Partey at the base and, you know, a player to the right and the left. I'm not quite sure where he fits into a starting lineup. How about you? What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, um, I think it's very easy to look at Newcastle's result, results sorry, um, and see that he's been in good goal-scoring form and go, oh, then he must be playing good. But he actually has been playing really well, even if you take away the goals. But of course, that goal-scoring threat, I think, is what sets him apart from the midfield profiles in our squad currently. Goals from midfield is something Artes has addressed. It's something the fans are crying out for. Uh, it's 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 shocking, really, the lack of goals we get from there. Um, look, if he if he's willing to stay as a rotation option, then brilliant. I think I think that's pretty perfect. Um, I think you draw on Aaron, Aaron Ramsey. He's I I I can't think of a player more similar to him. Like you said, those late runs into the box. Um, a real a real engine he's willing to go box to box he's he's willing to do the dirty work uh as well uh and he look he clearly loves the club but there's there's a point where you go well, come on i want i want first team football now um the fans seem to like him at newcastle steve bruce clearly loves him whether or not they make a bid uh we'll see what kind of if you were willing to sell what kind of fee would you would you accept I mean, given his age, his talent, and, you know, the fact that Newcastle are, not say primed to go down, but kind of in that race, um, you know, first of all, I think their bid for him will eventually be dependent on their Premier League survival. If they do survive, I'm more willing to sell. If they go down to the championship, no thanks, he's ours, you know, Um, unless we want to agree to another six-month or season-long loan, um, which, again, could be very helpful. But... You know, I think he is, what, 22 at this point, going on 23. I think I might have overestimated that. He could be 21. But um, regardless, he's still young, you know, still in the hunt for first-team football. But at the same time, if he can find it, um, Newcastle and Steve Bruce have very optimistically touted $20 million. I think that's highway robbery. Um, I'd love somewhere in the right, you know, region of $30 million. Um, simply just because 
given the market, regardless of coronavirus restrictions, that is what a young player of his, you know, quality and ability is worth. Um, if we can do a potentially lower fee, 25 with, you know, a high sell-on clause, something like that, or potentially a return clause, if he really does go well, you know, the ability to bring him back to the club for a cut price fee, um, I'd be willing to do that. I'm not quite sure if he's at the level of wonder kid where it's necessary. I mean, my classic example is when PSG sold Christopher and Kunku to Leipzig and they didn't, you know, give him a buyback clause and he's now worth about 90 million. But, you know, at the same time, um, he's a talented player and, you know, his sale partially is predicated upon whether or not Arteta does think he has a place in this squad, but is also predicated upon the amount that Newcastle are willing to pay. Um, obviously Mike Ashley has not been the most forthcoming in terms of finances. I think he is starting to change that in order to keep the club running um, and to keep his spot as owner. Uh, and obviously Newcastle fans aren't particularly happy about that, but at the same time, you know, it would have to be, I think a very decent offer to prize him away. Um, I'd also like to hear your thoughts on his worth. And then after that, there's another young kid who, you know, may or may not have a spot in this first team going forward that I'd love to talk about, both in terms of VRL, Newcastle, and going forwards. Yeah. Um, I'd be more willing to keep him than you, Mac. But we do have to remember this is, you know, this is what academies are made to do. The The best ones you play and the ones that are good have a bit of market value, but you know, are there to sell, you sell for profit. This is what, this is the role of an academy. Um, I think players of the standard of Inketia, this is the time where we have to go, you know, now it's time to cash in before his stock plummets because I don't think he can get any higher from here. I think Willock, obviously they're different positions, but I think Willock is a more talented player than Inketia. And I think it's, I think it's, it's less black and white with, with Willock. Um, I think we have to, again, like you said, see where Newcastle's position is, whether they go down or stay up. I think they look pretty safe at the moment. And, you know, who we who we sell or who we sign in the summer in that position, because if we're lacking depth, I'm sure Arteta's going to gonna make sure Willock sticks around. Um, I'd probably take... I don't... I can't see anyone paying 30 for him, but if if someone does, then similar to Wobi, I didn't think anyone would come. I didn't think anyone would sign him, let alone come in for what was it, thirty five, forty million. Um, if someone comes in for thirty million for Willock, I'd be open. I'd be open to sell, but I'd be a bit reluctant for anything less. Um, but yeah, another youngster. I assume you're referring to Flo Balogun. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I think like everyone else, I'm buzzing. Um, we knew this guy was amazing and it's kind of, um, the news has died down a bit lately and then suddenly the athletic reported he was going to sign and we all rejoiced. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy. Uh, he wouldn't, you've got to, you know, you've got to think about this. He wouldn't sign this deal if he hasn't been promised first team football. So we, I think we can all expect at the very least the start of next season but at this point in the league I think this is the, this 
there is never, ever, ever going to be a better time than now for which Arteta should experiment as if Premier League games are friendly games. The league position, we're not even going to get in the Europa Conference League at this point. We're going to finish mid-table. We've got to accept that. Um, I think now it's time to experiment. If Arteta's got any ideas he's been brewing, any players he's been wanting to try out, this is the time to do it. And I really hope Arteta's gone sign now. We'll, we'll you know we'll play him in some prem games towards the end of the season because I'd really like to see him. Physically, he looks he looks well above nineteen. And you compare him to Enketia, Enketia can look quite frail at times on the ball. He's quite easy. He's quite easy to shackle off it. He hasn't got he hasn't got even the speed to make up for it. Um, he gets himself into good goal scoring op- uh, positions, I guess. I think that's his main strength. You could call him a poacher, but you know, from the very small sample size we've had of Balogun in the first team, he's looked strong. His hold up play looks really great, and he's. He scored when given his chances and you can't really ask for anything more. I think it's quite hard to look at performances in the youth team because he just looks far too good. And if you also, what's quite interesting is if you look at Nketiah's youth team performances, it looks quite similar. He looks like he's bullying defenders. So maybe we have to take that into account. But yeah, overall, I'm very happy. I want to see him up front. Um, Mac, what do you think? What are your what are your thoughts? I'm sure you're just as delighted as I am. And you know, what does this what does this say for the centre forward position going forward? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I love the kid a bit. He's done amazing things for us in the Europa in terms of you know his ability to score goals late and really to kind of make those runs. I think you're right. He is definitely a physical presence over in Ketia, but. Also, I'm not sure how much you've watched of him in the Academy League, but of the you know relatively little I've seen, um, he has more of an instinct for general play. You know, while Nketiah is a fantastic goal scorer and a very good presence in the box, Balogun's link-up play, his hold-up play, um, and just his general ability kind of around the edge of the 18 and in build-up, um, you know, towards the goal, I think is superior to Nketiah's. Um Genuinely, just he's very fun to watch. Uh, I do agree with you as well that, you know, we are now getting into a position where we want to qualify for Europe, but the only route to do so is by winning the Europa League. Um, Frankly, you know, I don't really want to be in the European Conference, whatever the hell it is. Um, The prize money for that, for reference, is 100K. Wow. So, you know as amazing as it would be to pay sad class matches wages for a week. Um, there's not really much that we should, you know, be able to do there. It's literally the entrance competition to the Europa league. And frankly, that's not where Arsenal are as a club. And it would just, you know, frankly, it's an injury factory. Um, it's to the point where we wouldn't be playing opposition who would be quality enough to where it would be considered a challenge, which I think is, you know, it sounds awful to say, but it's just true. We are, one of the bigger clubs in the world we have talent the worst clubs in the premier league would pretty much boss this new european conference um yeah i frankly think qualifying below it might just be a boon for us so that we can focus on the league and really get back to where we should be you know um which is fighting for 
European spots through domestic competition. Um, in terms of the future of the front line, I'm not entirely sure because, you know, in, in the past when we've loaned out promising young strikers, they've done, uh, you know, nothing. Um, I mean, Reese Nelson had an all right time at Hoffenheim and then got injured. Smith Rowe spent his entire loan spell at Leipzig injured. And Ketia made like five appearances for Marco Bielsa's lead side in the championship. Um, and I'm not sure if loaning out, you know, and of course Willick is doing very, very well. And Maitland Niles is actually having a decent time at West Brom as well. But unless we were to loan Balogun to a Premier League team, you know, to a team that could really use him, um, I'm not really sure we should do anything other than keep him and stick him up front and really trust him to score the goals that we know he's capable of. Um, you know, of course, at the same time, we will be saying goodbye likely to Eddie and Ketia. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, AFC Max 9 is no longer smiling because I think Alexandra Lacazette might be leaving us as well, um, especially if we need to raise capital. Um, but just generally, I think Balogun has the potential and has the ability to be, you know, the future of this front line, if not next year, then in two or three years. Um, once he does, I mean, he's still 19, you know, I'm imagining a 22 year old Balogun with three years of experience, three years of Premier League, you know, muscle memory and three years of just earning his way to the top against, yes, of course, an aging Aubameyang and whether we have Lacazette or Enketi or whoever we sell or buy in, there will be competition for him. And if he can prove that he has what it takes to beat that, then more power to him. But I think alongside him and alongside Martinelli as well, there is genuinely the chance to form a, you know, dynamic forward line that could last us half a decade or more, um, which I think is just yeah. stellar, I, frankly. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's not tricky with Lacazette, but it's, it's, I really, I'm really happy for him that he's, he's found form. Um, some of the, I think some of the, best form since since the Wenger days um yeah over the past six weeks or so it's been it's been nice to see but we can't forget earlier in the season he was terrible really bad this is the kind of form where you go okay he's winning us a couple games but also his stock's going up this is when we act properly as a club and we sell him um but yeah, I'd I'd like to see Balogun start, see where his levels at, um, and and yeah, um, I don't think we're we're gonna need to sign a striker. I think we're more in need of signing a a, a left winger. Um, I don't know, I don't know Martinelli's status at the moment. Arteta's been public uh, in his his love for Martinelli, but. That doesn't really um, mirror his his starts or his substitute appearances or lack thereof. But yeah, I think it's all up in the air. Um, do we want to touch back quickly to the Newcastle game and do a bit of a preview there? Yeah, sounds perfect. I think we have a little bit more time. So, sure. you know, take it slow, take it casual. Um, start with goalkeeper. Who would you like to see start in net? Yeah, um, pretty standard. We know Leno made a mistake against Everton, um, but I thought he made a really crucial save against Villarreal. 
I think that's pretty much Leno in a nutshell, although his pros do outweigh his cons. Um yeah, I'm not too I'm not too interested in Matt Ryan to be honest. Um I'd like to see Leno start. Yeah, what about you? Um, you know, just to be contrarian, I'm a big Matt Ryan fan. Um he's fun to watch. He has really good claim of a penalty area. Um, you know, he just controls the air really well, which to be fair, Leno has struggled with less in recent weeks. Um, I think you're right. I think Leno probably should start if we want him to kind of maintain his form. If, however, he is feeling a bit fatigued or, you know, just needs a rest, needs 90 minutes to get his head off of football in preparation for this next Thursday match, because let's be real, nobody really cares about this game. You know, it is, of course, it is Newcastle at the St. Mary's, which is always a classic game to go to at the same time. It's the league. We are not finishing high at this point. You know, it's time to potentially play the backups if people need a rest so i am with you leno probably should start but if matt ryan starts i certainly will not complain um yeah on to right back what are your thoughts um i'd like to see bellerin gone in the summer um i think why not give cedric a run out i think he's you know hasn't got any outstanding attributes i just think he's a really solid or you know well-rounded Premier League standard right back um and I think yeah he's not a loser as Alfie would say <laughs> that's a that's not that's not a bad impression I'm sure Alfie might disagree but um oh he'll disagree yeah <laughs> but yeah um Cedric why not there's you know there's not much going on at right back what about you Mac yeah I agree I think definitely rest Callum Chambers because let's be real he will start the second leg um whether it's Bellerin or Cedric, I'm not really fussed. I think if we want to give Bellerin a little, you know, similar to kind of Alexander Lacazette, just give a little, hey, build up your form time, you know, get better, get some good performances in, raise your market value. I'm not sure it'll help much with him because his quality is pretty well known. Um, yeah, I think also, you know, I would have loved, frankly, to see Cedric start at left back against Villarreal. I think, you know, the fact that he... Didn't doesn't necessarily predicate his start here, but I think he probably should. He's our second best option, which is slightly depressing to say, really. Um, but yeah, center back duo. Give me your thoughts. Before we do, Cedric, yes. you're benched. I'm sorry. I take it back. Wild card alert. Wild card alert. Um, Reese Nelson at right back. Oh yes, this needs. Please go on this. This one. needs. I love this, this needs to. This needs to happen. I've talked. I'm not going to go too much into it, but uh, there is this strange, un unexplainable um, pattern in which wingers convert into fullbacks most of the time, almost flawlessly. Matty Cash, Fonzie Davis, um, Aaron Wambasaka. Most, you know, I think he's the most peculiar case study, but. I'd love to see Reese Nelson at right back. I think he fits a profile really well. He's really quick, really good in tight spaces, a good crosser of the ball. And his end product, albeit he's very young and of course can improve, isn't fantastic. And that you won't really need to worry about that at right back. We I don't know if you remember when we played Barte Borisov in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I do. He played at right wing back. He played at right wing back. And he was great. You know, I I mentioned before this is the time for experimentation. Give Nelson a, a run out and, and right back. 
I think that'll be really fun. Um, and I don't think, actually, against St. Maximan. Oh, why not? Put him there. Reese Nelson's my right back. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Centre-backs. Um, Gabriel and next to him, David Luiz. I don't want to see Pablo Mori start today. Not today, sorry, against Newcastle. I don't want to see him start against Villarreal. I think he's good. I don't think he's any more than good. I think his distribution's shocking. I can't remember him making a single pass over 30 metres. Um, he dives in quite a bit of the time. I don't think he uses his friend to his advantage. Um, I think he's a solid backup. I think, what was it, five, six million for him wasn't terrible. But I'd like to see Gabriel and David Luiz. I think they make for a, uh, a nicely balanced partnership. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. They play really well together. Um, Gabriel, they're both a little unpredictable, but Gabriel loves to kind of press high, crunch into tackles, you know, but sometimes he just needs someone to tell him where to go. Um, and David Luiz is very good at that. I think Mary is a good partner for holding only because Gabriel really isn't. Um, and that's, you know, why he's in the team. I think it's interesting that you mentioned his distribution as well, because it's been very good in recent weeks with the exception of the last two games he's played where it's been just diabolical. Um, I think there was one game where he was just spraying passes to, I think it was Pepe. It was one of the games where he had Pepe at left wing and Smith Rowe at the number 10. Um, I forget which. Uh, it was one of the ones we won. Might have been the 4-2 to Leeds, although no, it wasn't. It was the Wolves game, I think it was. And um, I'm not sure if he started that game, but if my memory serves correctly, um, he was genuinely, he loved playing balls down that channel, almost a la David Luiz. Um, and it was really fantastic to see. Of course, that's not been consistent. I think he's a great backup option. I think it's great to have a left-sided center back in the squad. And, you know, of course, he is a possession-oriented center back. Uh, we He was on loan at City for a number of years. And, you know, he's a talented player. But at the same time, I don't think he needs to start. And especially for this Europa League game, if we can get a partnership of Gabriel and David Luiz back and rolling in fit, potentially to play two games in four or five days, it would be a godsend. Um, I think our current defense is getting a little stale. Um, yeah, and then left back, I obviously have my player, but who do you think will start? Um, I'm not sure on Tierney's fitness. I don't think he was in the squad. Of course, I'd like to see him start. Right. Um, but maybe... I think we'll whack Cedric there against Newcastle with um with the beautiful Reese Nelson at right back. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think? Um I think it's hit or miss, you know. It is Arteta loves a hey, start a random player in someone's place and then, you know, whack him on at halftime thing. Uh, he did that with Odegaard right, you know, during his debut when he wasn't quite fully fit. Um and I think he made it the same here with Tierney. If he doesn't start, he will most likely come on as a sub. Um, I think if Cedric is the man to start at left back, you know, it will most likely be um, Bellerin at right back. Sorry to spoil your dreams here. But at the same time, um, I am not to say worried, but I am not really liking Granite Chaka at right back, you know, um, or at left back. Pardon me. He had one very good game against Fulham, which is 
like the lowest bar you could possibly set for a very good game and except it's you know maybe sheffield united but um no just generally i think shaka is a very good servant to the club he's got utility but we need him in the midfield as soon as possible to give Partey a you know a competent partner and to really get things flowing um i think actually one of my biggest complaints with Ceballos to bring it way back to a previous conversation Mm. was that he wasn't dropping deep enough and wasn't kind of occupying the deeper lying roles and those passing lanes. There were a number of passes that Partey played kind of across the flank, you know, and right through the center of the park, both to where Xhaka normally would be, where Ceballos would be either hiding behind defenders or too far up the pitch or whatever it was. And we would seed possession that way. I think a lot of his silly turnovers were caused by poor positioning from his teammates and, just having Xhaka back in that more comfortable role, I think it'd be really useful. Um, so yeah, I think I will agree with you. I think Cedric will start and likely be replaced by Tierney or have Bellerin be replaced if Cedric right. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if Tierney starts, I'll be very glad about it. I don't want him to play the full 90 because I, you know, we need him healthy for Villarreal. Um, yeah, so thoughts on midfield. Midfield, um, you touched on Xhaka, I think. Regardless of whether Arteta plays him at left back or in central midfield where he belongs, as you said, against Villarreal, I think he needs a rest. I think he's been relentless this season. He's played practically every minute. And the guy, you know, the guy just needs a rest. I think this is a good time to rest him. Um, look, I'd love to see Miguel Aziz start. That He's my pick. Um to put next to party is it going to happen of course not um but i'd like to see that because in the academy he you know albeit i really haven't watched much but he's very highly spoken about by george bird who covers the academy uh incredibly well on twitter and arteta's put him in the squad um for the last few europa league games so that must mean something right um but again from the little i've watched of him He's looked fantastic. This is the time for experimentation. Why not put him next to party? See how he fares against a, a, a Newcastle side that isn't gonna press. He's gonna have time on the ball. You know, this is a. I think this would be a nice game for him. Yeah, I think you're totally right. The timing is perfect. Um, I also think that it won't happen. Um, call me a pessimist. If I had to predict something, I honestly would predict a party Jaka double pivot. Um, you know, Mikel is many things. Um, original is not particularly one of them. He likes sticking with his guns and while well, he, you know, doesn't necessarily pick favorites. Um, it's been relatively proven that Ceballos and Elneny are an awful partnership. Ceballos and party not really working. Um, you know, there is, I think a good chance that Elneny starts alongside party or frankly, that Shaka starts alongside Elneny if, um, Arteta deems Partey to be a problem or just someone who needs a rest. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think Xhaka will definitely start in that left center midfield. And it's frankly up to Arteta, whether it's El Neni or Party alongside him. Um, yeah. And I think if I had to pick a shock option, it would probably be Willian at that left center mid role. Um, he's played there in the past. And there was that one really ugly game where he was meant to like play as a left winger and then kind of got an Emil Smith Roseway all the time. And kept dropping into that Ceballos space, as I like to call it. But no, I think Mikel is just going to be a bit unoriginal here. Um, I think he's going to go 
Partey and Shaka, and that's the way it is. Um, let's talk attacking midfielders. Let's go think, you know, number 10 and wingers. What are your thoughts? Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's pretty standard. I think Odegaard will start. I'd like to see him start. Um, I'd love to see Smith Rowe and Saka rested. Saka especially. He was gassing out after the first half an hour. The poor kid. He's going to... This this was happening early in the season as well, where there were times where he just needed a rest severely. And it didn't help he was getting called up by England either. If it, if it carries on at this rate, he's going to turn out like Rooney. His legs are going to go by the time he's 30-31. And that's not something I want to see. Um, he needs a rest. I'd like to see him get a rest. Uh, I'd like to see Martinelli start because I think we're all dying for that. Um, and Pepe on the right, why not? So an attacking three of, um, sorry, Martinelli, Odegaard and Pepe. What about you? Yeah, that was my exact prediction. I think he, again, classic Arteta, you know, he's not being physically dictated by Willian anymore. I'm not sure whether like, the pictures he had of his wife were deleted or, you know, whatever <laughs> crazy bogus madness was going on earlier this season. But for some reason, Willian could not buy his way off the pitch, um, which was awful to see. You know, now he might start at left wing. Realistically, I'd love to see a classic. Yeah, Martinelli and Pepe, Odegaard in the middle. And up front, obviously, we're both calling for flow. Um, do you think he will actually start? Or do you think that someone else may take his place? Uh, I feel like Enketia might get the start, but of course, interesting. Okay, but, but uh, of course, I'd like to see Balogun Balogun get the start. I think it's also a good time to plug uh, Samaya, who's one of our writers for We Love You Arsenal, wrote a really really nice piece um, in response to him signing the new contract, just profiling Balogun. And yeah, it's a great read. Check it out. We Love You Arsenal dot co dot uk. Um, yeah, just go with the flow. Yeah. I think the title was very, it's very brilliant. clever. She's Enjoyed a that. she's an incredible writer. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd like to see uh, flow start. Um, yeah, I assume you're you're in the same boat. Um, yep. But if we're talking predictions, I think it's going to be Alba. Mm. I won't lie to you. Um, he's just come back from his bout with malaria, of course, which is nasty. Um, he did get some minutes against Villarreal, but I think at the end of the day, um, Arteta has recognized, you know, kind of the lack of a focal point, uh, when he has played in Ketia up front in the past, it hasn't gone particularly well. Um, you know, and I think as much as he doesn't mind Eddie, um, and as much as I want him to start flow, I think it's going to be a case of he will likely want, um, one of Aubameyang and Lacazette to start against Villarreal at the midweek. And considering Lacazette's still kind of struggling with his hamstring, even though, yes, he is healthy and fit for selection and what have you. Um, I do think Aubameyang is going to get the nod, especially now that he's gaining his way back to full fitness. Um, we have yet to see him score a goal with his new Travis Scott dreadlocks, and hopefully that can end. But I also think, you know, we talk a lot on the show about partnerships and um, his partnership with... Odegaard cannot be overstated. The two link up really, really well together. I think Odegaard loves having players to really find in space who are going to make those runs, and incisive running is a lot of what Aubameyang is very good at. So I think 
you know, that front four, Martinelli, Pepe, Aubameyang, Odegaard, that is a front four with some serious goal scoring potential. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if we had that starting lineup, even if Flo was there, even if Eddie was there, I'd be pretty chuffed about it. I won't lie to you. Um, yeah. Anything else to say before we head on to our final little segment? No, I don't think so. Um, maybe we could touch quickly. What do you What do you think? How would you like us tactically to set up against this Newcastle team? I think it's you know, Arteta. I think especially in recent months has shifted more to a possession dominant style, um, and I would really like to see us come out firing on the front foot here. You know, we have this thought um, and this kind of. I should, I suppose, trend within the team that we will score two or three or four goals in relatively rapid succession um, and then kind of hang off after that. But I would really like to see us just have a world-beating first half so that we can maybe get some academy kids in, you know, rest the talents, really prepare for VRL. Um, yeah, come out of the gates hard, score early, score early, score often, dominate the game. Obviously, it's a Steve Bruce side, so they're inclined to sit deep anyway. But if we can, you know, play around with it deeper, draw them out a little bit, and then just scythe through them as this Arsenal team does have the ability to do, I think it would be, um, for, you know, there there are the building blocks to really have a, a, a good game here, something that can raise the spirits of all of our English fans while still, you know, not putting our high-risk players at risk. Um, what about you? How do you think? How do you think they should set up? What would be I don't, your dream I think scenario? My dream scenario is we're able to successfully and consistently create chances against Newcastle's deep block. I think this is a really, this is a really, this is pretty much the perfect game in preparation for Villarreal. This is basically a a worse version of Villarreal in terms of Newcastle will press when there are triggers to, um, how well they press is is up for debate but um it will happen on occasion but overall they'll look to play on the counter like they did against Liverpool um and to relevant success they then they amassed something crazy like four and a half xg against Tottenham yeah they That's do just well insane um and yeah but this this is a I don't know how familiar you are with Tesco Mac, but for the UK listeners, familiar it's pretty enough. much yeah. a Tesco Villarreal. Um, yeah, so if we can if we can beat them with you know relative ease and look comfortable, then I'll go into the Villarreal game with a with a bit more confidence, knowing we can we can break down teams like Newcastle, who play quite similarly to Villarreal. So yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking for intent, um, you know, yeah. passing with with menace. There is there is there are um, there are metrics for it, but I'd like to see more prominently metrics that measure um, speed of pass. There are obvious problems with it, you know, how many different types of pass there are, crosses, you know, long diagonal passes, short passes, so. It's hard to. I think. I think it's quite hard to define pass and then uh, assign a speed to it. But I think ours would be, you know, lowest in the league. The the pace at which we pass the ball sometimes is is so slow, and it just it dictates the mentality for the whole team to 
act quite lethargic, unfocused, and just like we're we're too passive at times. I'd like to see us be a bit more ruthless, a bit more aggressive in and out of possession. Um, so yeah, that's that's my yeah. dream really. I agree, although I think the the Liverpool centre backs may have something to complain about there. They you know they master at the the mediocre and to very slow mm. pass. Um, however, I do think speed of play is something that needs to be improved on regardless. And hey, Newcastle is an opponent that it would be amazing to do it against. All right, well, um, I think that's all we had really planned to discuss, other than our traditional closer. Uh, so. Uh, Mr. Max, Mr. Mishkan, do me a favor. Shine me a spotlight. What are you What are you looking at this week? I'm looking at Carl Anker from the Athletics piece uh, on uh, being Muslim during Ramadan and being a footballer. And I think it was really nice to see uh, Wesley Fofana break his fast against Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they agreed Leicester and Palace before the game to stop so he could take Iftar get some water, get some food down him. And Pogba against Roma last night as well, dropped to the side of the pitch. I think it's really nice, um, of course, for the players to, you know, to be able to eat during such a high-intensity moment. Um, and, you know, for both teams, for everyone involved to to acknowledge, you know, uh, a nice, you know, festive season for Muslims and I think for for young fans watching as well you know it can it can bring awareness to things like this and you know we can we can all learn from it I just think I just think it's really nice and football's a it's not just a celebration of sport it's a celebration of you know people from all walks of life and it's just nice to see that we're celebrating it and we're tolerating everything it's just nice yeah yeah I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and in the past, there have been, you know, relatively not protests, but there's been a lot of activism around this particular issue. Um, I know Karen Benzema has spoken about it at length, as has Yaya Toure, um, both of whom are Muslim. But also there was the, um, I say incident, it was an event really with uh, Mesut Ozil. I'm not sure who the away game was against, but he went to take a corner. Um, this is, of course, when he still played for Arsenal. And uh, the fans, the away fans at that corner were throwing bread at him. And if I recall, he picked up a piece of bread off the ground and instead of doing anything with it, he kissed it and then put it back down. Um, and it was kind of this, you know, this statement um, of, yes, of the Muslim respect for food. I believe it was also during one of their holidays. Um and it was just a very symbolic gesture that I think made a lot of fans, you know, really stop and take notice and, you know, that say this is something that's important. Um, and we do love our big concepts and overarching ideas on this show. And yeah, just generally, I think it's it's important to recognize that, as you said, football is about more than just 11 dudes kicking a ball. Um, you know, there is a very large contingent of Muslim players, both in England and in world soccer. And there have been really great movements recently to be more inclusive and kind of respect those cultural differences, even despite the game. Um, and it's just, it's wonderful and it's heartwarming to see it happen. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, that was, that was really, yeah, I think, sorry. (laughs) You're right, mate. Um, please go. Yeah. yeah. I I just thought that was really nicely put. Um, do you want to move on to your spotlight? Cheers. Yeah. Uh, mine is a little bit more satirical, <laughs> I think. 
Um, I'm going to be commenting on some Everton midfielders, past and present, um, who aren't really having the greatest time of it right now. I'm not sure how many of you know the name uh, Jean-Philippe Jabemin, but he is he was touted, he's from the Ivory Coast, and he was touted as one of the like future midfielders of, you know, the decade about two years ago. Um he signed for Everton and in the second day of training tore his ACL. After a nine month recovery, he came back to training within two days tore his other ACL. Um after another long nine month recovery, he has since come back to training and torn a meniscus, to my knowledge. Uh, he has some other long term injury. Um, and as if their luck couldn't get any worse, he was signed to replace Idrissa Ganagay, who is now playing for Paris Saint-Germain. If you have didn't watch the City-PSG game at the week, you missed out. It was chaos. Uh, there were crazy free kicks. There were red cards. Well, a red card that went to, um, to uh, Gay, who had one of the first best first halves I've ever seen out of a player. He was... I would say in Golo Kante-esque, but honestly, he put Kante to shame. He was genuinely everywhere, picking up on every loose ball, tackling magnificently, um, doing everything that you know PSG signed him to do. And then he put in one of the ugliest two-footers. He was about a foot off the ground, studs up into, I believe it was Rodri. No, it was Gundogan. Might have been Gundogan. Um, into Gundogan's ankle, more like calf. It was like a flying scissor tackle, just so disgusting. Um, and I remember thinking there was a lot of diving going on in the game from both sides, frankly. frankly. And I was thinking, you know, I saw the tackle and I thought he'd won the ball. And I was like, Gundogan needs to get up. That's ridiculous. And they show the replay and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, maybe not. That's nasty. Yeah, it was um, It's pretty shambolic, I'll be honest with you. Um, but yeah, Everton, you know, despite it's called a fortunate one nothing win uh last weekend their midfielders both past and present have not been having a great time of it and um yeah i guess that's really all we have for the show bit of an odd note to end on but you know that's us so uh yeah before we go anything for you from you max no um just yeah if you didn't know this podcast is is from a team of writers at we love uk. it's an arsenal blog and we post articles every day. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, then check it out. Um, yeah, apart from that, thanks for having me, Mac. It's been really fun. Yeah. yeah. Nah, thanks for being on. Thank you for carrying me through my first ever time hosting. I say hosting. It was very much a coordinated job, and I thank you for that as well. But, I mean, you know, this is, this is my first time ever, quote-unquote, hosting a podcast. I am, you know the regular suspect here as Rob would love to say. So yeah, um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, we'll see if we can get you on literally as soon as possible. Um, as always a pleasure talking to you and yeah, thank you so much. And to all of our listeners out there, we love you arsenal.co.uk, uh, home, home of our wonderful blog. We also have this extra Canon podcast and the arsenal Canon podcast sponsored, produced, you know, magicked into existence by We Love You Arsenal Productions, um, one of the growing brands of the century, according to us, uh, which is really the only information you ever need. So, yeah, thank you all for listening, um, and we hope you have a lovely weekend. Uh, come on the Arsenal, beat Newcastle, beat Villarreal, and, yeah, that's about all I've got. Have a lovely night.